Welcome to the first episode of TNT Sports Talk. Today is Thursday, March 8th. My name's Travis Karcheski. My name's Truman Karcheski. So we just want to thank you guys for listening. This is obviously our first podcast. Um, this is something we've been wanting to do for a while. And we started thinking about this about a month ago. And it was only about a week ago we first started to really put ideas down to paper and started to get going a little bit on it. Um... We know this isn't going to be the best podcast ever for the first episode. We know the second episode is going to be better than the first. And we know, you know the 10th episode is going to be better than the first and the second. So we just want to start building a little bit of an audience and growing this into something we can be proud of. So we just want to give you guys a little bit of background in our sports. So we've both played uh, high school football. Um, ever since we were little, we've tried basketball, we've tried baseball. Um, uh, we obviously play those sports still with our friends and whatnot. Um, but we aren't the greatest at sports overall. We're not the most athletic, um, but ever since we were little, um, we lived and breathed sports. Yeah. Our dad kind of instilled in a young age, um, sports and we followed it. We love our teams so much and I don't think there's a day that goes by that we don't follow sports and what's it's, going on. Yeah. It's become sports for us have become more than a hobby. They've become, you know, had kind of a lifestyle. Yeah. Had lifestyle. And we just want to give you guys a little bit of background of what kind of teams we like. So Truman brought up our dad. He's from Wisconsin. Uh, so we've grown so up. My personal um, teams, I'm all Wisconsin. Um, the Packers, Bucks, Brewers, Badgers, anything Wisconsin, I love. Um, and I will take take them to my grave as being the greatest sports state in America. And we we disagree a little bit on that, but one thing we do have complete agreement on is the Green Bay Packers. We've been fans our whole lives. So that was pretty much not an option. Although I did waver a little bit at ages five and six. I kind of grew into being a huge Packer fan. And the you know Truman said he's a big Wisconsin guy. I'm not a big fan of Wisconsin sports as much as he is. I've grown up. We've grown up in Ohio our entire life, so. The Cleveland Indians, I'm a huge fan of them, you know, especially with their recent success, you know, there's been a lot more fans and I've really been my whole life an Indians fan and now it's cool to see them do have finding some success. And then as far as college goes, you know, Ohio State and everything they do, basketball, football, baseball, I'll root for them on any level. But one thing Truman and I also both agree on is even though we're not huge fans, we both like the Blue Jackets and hockey. And we're not going to be talking a lot about hockey in this first episode, maybe a little bit in later episodes, but we both love uh, the Blue Jackets, and we hope to, as this podcast grows, talk about them a little bit more. Tell them about how you like the Thunder. Yeah, so the Thunder, I'm a, I'm a Thunders fan. It's, I know it's weird. A little bit of a front. It's right? a little bit out there as far, of, as far as the teams I've liked, I do like now. But that's all because of one guy, my favorite player of all time, which is Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony is my favorite NBA player of all time and present day. I just love the way he plays. I love his style. I just, you know, stay mellow. Everything about him I love. And that's, I've followed him around. He was a Nuggets fan. I'm a, I was a Knicks fan, and now I'm a Thunder fan. So I, I get ragged on a lot by that, but I just, you know, you like who you like. So. so we wanted to give you guys a little bit of background of who we liked, and now we'll just go into a little bit of the format of the show. So today we're going to do a little football talk. Every week we're going to do a little football, baseball, and basketball. 
So we're going to start with football, and we're going to talk about the combine, different free agents. Then we're going to go into basketball, talk about you know different headlines going on. Then we're going to talk about a little bit of uh, you know March Madness is coming up, so we're going to talk about them and that. And then we're going to talk about baseball, give a little couple spring training headlines. And then we have a couple questions that were given to us by some listeners, so we're going to have an answer them, and then we'll end the show. So we'll just go right into football. And you know the combine was this week. It was pretty exciting. You know, me and Truman, we watched it all weekend on TV. I know it's boring to most people, but we really liked it. So, Truman, who'd you like from the Combine? Um, Obviously, I think the best player from the Combine, hands down, was Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Um, I think he should be the number one pick. He's the most surefire talent in the draft by far. I don't think you can miss on him. Um, and, you know, his, he ran a four four forty. I thought it was crazy. He did 29 um, bench reps, and then he had a 41-inch vertical. Um, and he's perfect NFL size for a running back. He's six foot, 233. I just think this all adds up to him being probably no chance, really, at being a bust. I think that he has to be good, almost. And I know that's kind of a, a lofty statement because, obviously, you can be a bust. But um, I think Cleveland has to take him at one and he, he, you cannot pass on Saquon Barkley. Yeah, I was looking at some of his stats. I mean, he like you said, six foot, two hundred thirty three pounds. He's heavier than David Johnson, Ezekiel Elliott, and Le'Veon Bell, but he outjumped them all with a forty one inch vertical. And he ran, like you said, a four point four forty. And there's only been three running backs ever in the history of the combine to ever run that fast at two hundred thirty pounds. And those are Beanie Wells, Mario Famine, and Niles Davis. And he outjumped all three of those guys. So, like you said, his stock is high right now. And he has highlights to prove it. I think his college career was amazing at Penn State. I think even before the combine, he was marked in as a top five pick. And I think the combine made him as a top two pick, if not. Yeah, he really established himself, I think, as the most talented player in the draft. And he kind of confirmed what everybody already thought. Um, And then, obviously... um, uh, Shaquem, was Shaquem Griffin, is that his name? Yeah, Shaquem, Shaq Griffin is. Shaq Griffin, the one-arm guy. Um, obviously he had a very impressive combine. Um, it's a really cool story to follow. Um, his senior season, um, for UCF, and obviously they were the, um, kind of like the Cinderella team for college football, um, going 13-0 and, um, under Scott Frost, and I think it was a cool story all season to follow him. And then when he came into the Combine, I heard he was a late invite to the Combine. Um, so he was an underdog there, too. Um, and then he ran a 4.38 um, for a linebacker, which is a record, which is crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then bench press was awesome. Um, he did 20 reps, which for linebackers average, but when you have one arm, it's obviously kind of nuts. So um, I think that was crazy. Um, his stock rose. I think he's a mid-round pick, 5.43 um, yeah. in there. Um, but I don't think he can play linebacker in the NFL. Switch to um, strong safety. I think he has to be a strong safety. I think if he played linebacker, the the big offensive lineman in the league would just lock onto him, and he can't do anything yeah, with one arm. That's what I mean. He clearly put his name on everyone's radar. I think everybody now, even casual fans, even not even NFL fans, are going to be watching the draft just to see where he goes in the draft. I mean, yeah, like a four point three forty was crazy. And even, like I said, not even NFL fans watched that bench press. He put on that prosthetic, strapped it up to the bar, and did 20 reps, which is pretty great. But even though, yeah, I think he's going to have to switch positions because, 
I mean, if it's between him and another linebacker who has two arms, I'm going with the linebacker with two arms because you don't know how well he's going to do against those stronger upper upper tier linemen. And it's like the same thing with the tight end out of Wisconsin. Did you know about Troy Fumagalli? He's he's a good tight end, but I would rather have a tight end with if it's between him and yeah, another guy. Different. If it's between him and another guy, I'd rather have a guy with ten fingers. As you know, Troy Fumagalli only has nine fingers on his hand. I don't think a finger makes as much as impact as an arm, but you have to also look at when he's tackling, even if he's a strong safety. Yeah, and um, bringing down guys like Ezekiel. And the thing that was worrying people, but he obviously kind of got rid of those is can he catch the ball as much people but he showed pretty well that he does have pretty good ball skills i know he had an interception last year in a game for ucf so i mean i don't think that's much of a concern as i once was but obviously you have a better chance to catch the ball with two hands yeah and it's, and if it's between cool if it's between him if, at linebacker if it's between him and another guy i'm gonna go with the guy with two arms rather than him but it's a cool story and he will be drafted but and I think he, I I'm rooting for him. Everybody's rooting for him, and I hope he does turn out to be a good player. Yes, definitely. Um, next was another headline: Orlando Brown. Yeah, this is one of the. This is sad. Not, this is not good. Um, he was obviously it was embarrassing. Um, yeah. So he ran a five eight forty. Um, only fourteen reps on bench press. Um, I think every drill he looked sluggish. Um, and he went from the two or three tackle on most experts list. And um, now no one really knows where he's going to end up. I mm-hmm. think um, I just thought it was an embarrassment. I think if you're doing 14 reps as a tackle on bench press, you don't belong anywhere, really. Um, and then the 5840 is just, that's kind of ridiculous. I mean, yeah, like me and Truman, we, were, well, we, we aren't at that great at sports. And we ran, we ran that 5859 five, range. Yeah. Um, and then he just looked sluggish. He looked out of shape. Um, I think one of the coaches um, actually was overheard in the drill calling him sluggish. So obviously, I don't think he showed up prepared at all. And it's kind of sad because if you're going to be making millions of dollars um, and you don't show commitment um, to yourself and your workouts, it's kind of bad. Um, so and that it's was definitely a stock down. Something that, I mean, you, these guys train for months. You know, guys train for months to do well in these drills. And you run these drills a thousand times before the combine. And if you know you're going to perform that bad, it's kind of makes sense to just fake an injury or just de- decline the combine to do something. Because, I mean, his stock fell. If he was just not gone, not participated, his stock would have fell a little bit, but not as bad as it is now. And obviously, 14 reps on a bench press for a tackle is just unacceptable. I mean, that's quarterback you look, range. Yeah, it's Saquon Barkley put up, what, 22? No, 29. 29 reps. And it's, Saqu- I mean, Shaquem Griffin put up tw- 20 reps with one arm. And that's crazy. But obviously, he does have long arms. That's his size. He's 6'8", 345. And his size is an advantage for him. He has he has huge arms. I think it was the longest arms in the draft. And he's very, very out of shape, though. But I Someone think, will definitely take a chance yeah, on him. He, had, he had good tape at Oklahoma. But again, when games against you know Kansas and stuff like that, he absolutely dominated because he wasn't going against that top talent. When you got a guy who's running a 5'8", Five eight five forty going against somebody like Von Miller or something like that. It's I'd take Von Miller any day of the week. Yeah. Um, then another guy I had stock up on, I thought impressed me, um, was the wide receiver, uh, Cortland Sutton. Um, he's one of the biggest wide receivers in the draft. Um, I think he falls two or three um, for wide receivers. 
Um, he ran faster than most people probably thought at 4-5 um, because he's a bigger wide receiver. Um, he has the size, um, obviously, to compete with anybody. Um, I think he's a second-round pick, could be a late first-round pick. Um, uh, he's got to be quicker, um, but um, I think in the dra- in the combine he showed that he is faster yeah. than most people think, and I think his stock is on the rise. One guy that I have that his stock kind of fell, even though you can't fall much, and it wasn't that big of a deal, but I, to me it seems like it's a big deal, is Sam Darnold. I mean, he's he's a top-five quarterback in this draft, no doubt, by what everyone's seen him play. But just not throwing at the combine shows to me that you really just don't want to go out there and compete. And you you got a chance to go out there, show NFL scouts what you have, and you just don't want to throw. I mean, you got guys like Baker Mayfield who go out there and compete every single day. And I just that's not a good look for him to go out there and not do all the drills. Um, so next up we have, um, we're going to give our top five quarterbacks in this year's draft. Um, for me, um, at my number one, I have Baker Mayfield. Um, I fell in love with Baker Mayfield ever since he's at Oklahoma. Um, he's mm-hmm. tough, competitive. Um, you know, he was a walk-on, so he's an absolute chip on his Two-time shoulder. walk-on. Two-time walk-on. Um, I think he has one of the most underrated strong arms in the draft because no one really talks about it. Um Behind Josh Allen, obviously, who has a nuts arm. But um, he completed, also a stat that I love, he completed 67% of passes on the run. Um, he can just make plays out of nothing, and um, he's just he's just a, a beast, in my opinion. Um, and then my number one, I have, I really like Baker Mayfield, but I have Josh Rosen as number one. I mean, you just watch his tape. He's not the most vocal guy, but he has such clean mechanics. He's the prototypical NFL quarterback. You know, he had, he didn't, he didn't play a lot this year, which is why scouts are kind of iffy on him because his durability is not very great. But I think you put him behind a good NFL offensive line, he'll he'll be able to flourish. And he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. You know, he keeps the ball on his side. You know, not not a lot of interceptions, and he just seems like a very smart, intelligent guy. And that's why I have him at number one. Um, for number two, I have Josh Rosen. Um, he's got the best footwork in the draft. I think he's, um, a lot of the experts hype him up, um, and I just think he's got, like Travis said, the best mechanics overall. Yeah, I don't think he's got the best arm, he's not the most athletic, mm-hmm. um, but he's got good size, best mechanics. Um, and then his shoulders are concerned, other places are concerned. Um, but the, another, another the thing, thing that about, scared me the most was the concussions. Um, but another thing about Josh Rosen is he played under um, a lot of different offenses. He had different offensive coordinators almost every year in college. So he can play under center and shotgun anywhere. Um, and I think that was kind of an advantage for him um, because he has a bunch of experience in different offenses. So for my number two was German's number one, which is Baker Mayfield. I mean, the guy, I mean, he's just a great story. Two-time walk-on. He was at Texas Tech. Then he went to Oklahoma, walked on. And he's just he just has that competitor in him. I think he's the best competitor in that draft. He has this just drive to be the best you know Heisman winner he's very accurate I think people really try to get rid of him by saying he doesn't have a great arm but he does you know he had the lowest percentage of missed throws all last year in division one football he's just a leader you know he people were asking him you know do you think you can turn the Cleveland Browns around he said definitely you know he doesn't kind of fall away from that he steps out in front I know he's had some off the field issues and even on the field issues but he, you kind of 
corral that a little bit. And off the field interviews, he sounds great. He's just the type of guy I want leading my franchise if I'm the Browns trying to turn that franchise around. Um, and then for my number three, I have Sam Darnold. Um, he's got probably the best NFL size in this draft, um, besides maybe Josh Allen. But he's got the most consistent to other quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, he's very smart. Um, last the two years ago in the Rose Bowl against Penn State, I fell in love with him. Um, mm-hmm. He made every single throw. Um, I thought he was going to be the next number one pick, undisputed, um, and he was just amazing in the Rose Bowl. Um, he, and then this year, I felt like he took a step back all year. Um, I felt like there was inconsistent games, um, and then against Ohio State um, in the Cotton Bowl, I just felt like you looked against probably the most NFL. Um, type defensive line and he just looked absolutely shaken um, they got to him I know USC doesn't have the greatest offensive line and they did him no favors but he looked absolutely shaken against that NFL offensive line and a secondary that probably every single one of them will end up being in the NFL um, he threw some bad interceptions um, but I still think he's a good quarterback and has a chance to be a franchise quarterback um, but I think he might be slightly overrated to some. yeah I have Sam Darnold as my number three I mean I think the biggest thing is that game, the Rose Bowl versus Penn State, I think everybody fell in love with him. He just he looked like he was going to be the next undisputed number one pick. But he just didn't have that great of a season. And he is a, he's a good pro-style quarterback. He has clean mechanics. But I just don't think he is that competitor. I don't think he's the type of guy who's going to go out there and turn a franchise around. I think maybe you know he, he'd be good if you sat him behind somebody for a year, learn, and I just Giants, Eli yeah, Manning. Giants, Eli Manning. I just I don't think he's ready to take the control, take the reins of a franchise. Um, for number four, I had Josh Allen. Um, his seventy-yard throw right on the money in the combine um, drew a lot of attention. Uh, he's got probably the best arm to come out in many of years. Um, he's a little bit of a gunslinger, which is kind of awesome. Um, but yeah, we're big Brett Favre fans, so that's... but. But he's got a lot of people compare him to Carson Wentz, which I kind of think is funny because he looks like Carson Wentz, he plays like Carson Wentz, but you can't really say he's going to be Carson Wentz because, um, I mean, he's inconsistent, um, he's sometimes inaccurate, but um, I think he'd be good if he sat somewhere. Um, a lot of play- I like him in Washington sitting behind Alex Smith, um, but I think he's. A good quarterback. He's fun to watch. He's got a great arm, but I think he might be have to sit a couple years. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I, he has my number four too. I mean, he's just the prototypical NFL quarterback. Big arm, tall, big hands. But if you watch his tape at Wyoming, I mean, they went. They barely won six, five, six games this year. He's just. He's not that leader that I want. I think he'd be good to sit. He's a gunslinger. He's got that huge arm. So the best he could be is probably, you know, comparing today is like a Matt Stafford gunslinger. But the worst he could fall is he could be a Jamarcus Russell, you know. Jamarcus Russell also had that big arm that just really didn't turn out. And he's a, he's a good guy, you know. You hear him talking. He had a pretty good combine. But he's just, I don't think he's ready to take control and be a starter day one. Um, And then five, I love Mason Rudolph out of Oklahoma State. Um. He's got by far, in my opinion, with Josh Allen, even if he has the biggest arm, I think he's got the best deep arm accuracy in the draft. Um, I think he's he's going to sit somewhere um, first to start out. I think he's a second-round pick, maybe even a late first-round pick if teams really like him down there. Um, but 
I just like him at Oklahoma State. Um, I think he's very underrated, and I saw something on NFL Network where he went on, and um, a lot of coaches like him. He was able to receipt offenses and um, talk about them, and he seemed really smart. Uh, a place that I could see him going is New England. Um, he could sit behind Tom Brady for two to three years maybe, um, or even somewhere like Pittsburgh. I just think I, I think he's very underrated, and I think he's going to sit behind someone and be great one day. The My fifth guy is different than him. I have Lamar Jackson. I mean, this guy, everybody you know tries to say, oh, he's like a wide receiver. You know, he's not much. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. But, I mean, he's, he just you just show he can produce. I mean, he over 9,000 yards at Louisville. He didn't have the best offensive line, didn't have the best talent around him. His mechanics aren't that clean. You know, I saw something where he, he he bends his elbow too much when you throw it, but that's something quarterback coaches say you can fix. But I just think he can produce. He's got the athleticism. You know, I think with the success of Deshaun Watson last year, I think teams are going to be looking for more of that college type of quarterback, and that's going to be cool to see if he gets drafted. You know, it's a good story. You know, people are telling him to switch to wide receiver, but I just think if he adds a little bit more weight, he's kind of skinny right now. He's he's going to be a good quarterback in the NFL. Um, so our next kind of thing about football and the combine, um, we're going to kind of debate over should Lamar Jackson try out at wide receiver? I obviously, I don't think he should. I think he should stay at quarterback. And I'll tell you, I mean, he's a Heisman winning quarterback. He had over 9,000 passing yards, 69 touchdowns, and only 27 interceptions over his three years starting there. I just, I don't think he needs um, to. I think he should definitely, I, listen, I think he's going to be a quarterback in the NFL as well. Um, I think he's good, but I think right now, I don't see why you wouldn't try out at wide receiver. Um, you're going into the league, um, and why wouldn't you give yourself more and more opportunities to get drafted by a team? I see, I see that, but it's just, you know, it's kind of, I mean, he put up 9,000 yards. He won the Heisman, seven, almost close to 70 touchdowns passing, and I just think it's kind of disrespectful to tell a guy who put up those kind of numbers to just try out at wide receiver. I think he should stay at his position. He shouldn't get distracted by trying out different wide receiver drills. If a team drafts him and they start to work on him and they see that maybe he isn't going to pan out, then maybe you talk then. But I think his best idea right now is to just stay at quarterback, stay where he's comfortable, and just keep producing from there. I don't know. I think if – I listen, I do think he's going to be a quarterback, and I do think he can be good. But a lot of teams have concern about his size, his throwing mechanics – um, if they're going to translate to the NFL. So why not just just show them, hey, I want to be quarterback. I think I can be a quarterback. But he here, if you think that I should try out wide receiver, here's some tape of me in practice trying out wide receiver. It's only going to help your chances at getting drafted somewhere. I think um, it, I think it could hurt his chances. If he tries out wide receiver and it doesn't work out, then people are just going to, question you know why is why even draft him if people are thinking he's wide receiver he's trying out as wide receiver and he doesn't look good at a wide receiver spot and he doesn't look good at quarterback spot i don't i think it's going to hurt his chances well if he doesn't look good at quarterback spot um because he's focusing most of his time he'll be focusing some of his time on trying to be a good wide receiver i think he should spend all his time all his effort on getting some size under him again like you said he is skinny he's a skinny guy getting a couple adding a couple pounds on him would do him good I just think he should spend all his time and effort on what he's the best at. He's a talent. I don't know. I, he's I very think, raw. I think he's, he's, he's gonna, a talent, though. He's gonna, yeah. He's gonna take some time. And um, you could play him at quarterback. And I think again, if he doesn't work out there, 
there's no hurt to him trying wide receiver, I think. But um, he's got the speed, mm-hmm. um, and he can be very good anywhere in the league, I think. Yeah, he's a talent. I think a team's going to take a flyer out on him and just going to see what he can do. I mean, he's a Heisman winner. You can't not draft a Heisman winner. I mean, he won it for a reason. So I think we're going to move on now, kind of transition from the NFL draft to more of the NFL right now. We're going to give our top free agents top landing spots. Um, I think I'll say one, then Truman, you can say one. Um, so I'm going to start with Aqib Tlaib. He's obviously he's not a free agent, but it's looking more and more like he's going to be traded. Denver doesn't want to take his contract. He's going to be traded. I think a great landing spot for him is the 49ers. The 49ers, you know, John Lynch and Elway have a very close relationship. You know, Elway's kind of mentored John Lynch at the GM role. And I think, you know, they need a cornerback. They need a good defensive player. They need somebody that's going to go out there and be a leader. They have enough cap space. They have the most money to spend in the NFL to take on Tlaib's $14 million contract, and they have draft picks to spend if they need to. And I've discussions have been back and forth with the 49ers, so I think that's where he'll end up. Um, and then a quarterback that's kind of out there right now um, that people aren't talking about as much because it's not Kirk Cousins, but uh, Case Keenum. Obviously, he had an amazing season last year with the Vikings and kind of moved from not just being a backup but to maybe being a consistent starter in the NFL. Um, I have him going to the Denver Broncos. Um, I think he's going to go there. Um, I think he can be a starter there for two to three years, almost like an Alex Smith kind of guy, and they can draft someone maybe early, maybe late, and Case Keenum can be that mentor, but he can also be that consistent starter and someone who can win with a good defense, like we saw them have um, with Peyton Manning when they won the Super Bowl. Peyton Manning didn't have a good season at all, but they're great defense. They won a Super Bowl um, with just consistent quarterback play. Obviously, they kind of have to rebuild that defense a little bit more because um, they're not the same. But um, then, I mean, you have the the Vikings. They could still um, sign him back if Kirk Cousins doesn't work out or something else doesn't work out. Then the Browns and the Cardinals, um, those are possibilities as well. Next is Jarvis Landry. Again, he's not a free agent, but it's more and more he's going to be traded. The Dolphins signed him today. To He signed his franchise tag today which is $16 million, but the Dolphins can't afford that because because they traded for Robert Quinn. They're about $5 million over the cap space if they decide to keep Landry. So I think they're going to go ahead and trade him. I think a perfect landing spot for him is Chicago. Um, you know, the Ravens really want him, but they can't afford him either. They don't have much cap space. And Chicago, obviously, they have the money, and they need a wide receiver. They need talent to add around Trubisky. So Chicago's a perfect spot for him. Um, and then another one, Sheldon Richardson. Um, he played with Seattle last year, um, came from New York, obviously. Um, I think he's going to stay in Seattle. I think Michael Bennett was um, traded to the Eagles uh, yesterday. I think they traded him um, to kind of choose between the two. Um, they're obviously tearing it down, but I don't think they can just tear everything apart. And I think Sheldon Richardson's a piece that they could keep and um, keep on that defense. But obviously, I think the Falcons could be a place he could go. Um, they need defensive line help. Um, and then another possibility, the Buccaneers. Um, pairing him with Gerald McCoy would obviously make that a deadly def- defensive line. But I just think Seattle's going to keep him back. Then we got Kirk Cousins. Uh, I think he's going to the Vikings. I think you know they've already offered him a contract, even though they're not allowed. It's just been reports. He wants to win now. He's got the weapons in Minnesota. Minnesota's got the money. He wants kind of a shorter contract, you know, I think he's looking for like a three-year deal so he can be able to be a free agent when that quarterback, you know, money rises and the cap space rises. So I think Chicago is a perfect fit. I mean, uh, Minnesota is a perfect fit for him. 
You know, he wants to win. They got the defense. You know, Case Keenum played well last year. And I think Kirk, Kirk Cousins can play better and take that team to a higher level, higher than the championship game. Um, and then um, Malcolm Butler. Obviously, he was uh, talked about a lot, especially in the Super Bowl when the um, Patriots sat him. Um, I think after he made that big interception in the Super Bowl, he took on a lot of hype. And he's a very good corner, but um, he might be a little bit overrated to some people. But I think he's going um, to Houston. I think he's going to be a Texan next year. I think they have the cap room. Um, they lost, I forget, how do you say his name? Boy? Bouye? Yeah, AJ. to Jacksonville, um, who obviously had an amazing season yeah. this year with Jacksonville. Um, I think they can replace him with um, Malcolm Butler and make that defense kind of deadly and start building a defense to help Deshaun Watson in the offense. Um, another place, though, um, you look at the 49ers. Um, they need cornerback help. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of money. Um, the Jets, um, Saints. Um, and then I think the Browns could honestly be in on him, too, when they just need talent. But I think Malcolm Butler's going to be a Texan. And we got Jimmy Graham, played with Seattle last year. Everybody knows Jimmy Graham. You know he's a very athletic, big tight end, and I think he's going to return home to the Saints. He wants to. He hasn't really. He's been good, but he hasn't been the dominant force that he was with the Saints at Seattle. I think he's going to go there, reunite back with Sean Payton, and kind of recapture his former success. So I think that's an obvious spot for him to land. And they need a. They need a tight end. They need more weapons around Breeze. So I think that's where I'll end up. Um, and then. You have Richard Sherman, not a free agent, but um, obviously was talked about yesterday as uh, kind he's, of a yeah, huge... Yeah, it's looking like he's going to be... He's going to be out of Seattle. Um, they're looking for, for trade partners, but I don't think they're going to be able to trade him because his contract's expiring next year, um, and that Achilles injury is a killer. Um, I don't think they'll be able to trade him for anything really special. Um, but So I think they're going to release him. And I think he's gonna go over to the Big Apple and play for the Jets. Um, I think, I think the Jets are prepared to make a move um, for a big free agent, a big signing. Um, and maybe Richard Sherman's not that. Maybe he's not gonna be the same after the Achilles injury. But they need cornerback help and they need defensive help. They just need talent overall. And I think Richard Sherman could go there. Another team um, that I saw, I saw the Chargers being a possibility. They could pair him with Casey Hayward. And that make that a deadly cornerback duo. Um, and then the Saints and the Texans, obviously, they need cornerback help as well. But I think Richard Sherman's going with the Jets. Then we got Drew Brees. I mean, I don't think there's any question that he'll he will, he'll return back to the Saints. You know, why would you leave? He's been playing there pretty much his whole career, except for the you know the Chargers. They're having a little bit of trouble signing him right now, but I don't think he'll take any other offers. I think it's pretty obvious where he should go. Uh, Saints really don't have a backup option, so they need to go all in on him. And especially if they do get Jimmy Graham back, you know why wouldn't Drew Brees sign? He's been there his whole career, mo- most of his career, and you know why would he leave? Why would he uproot his family from a place he's been where he's a legend, best quarterback in franchise history? I just think it makes no sense for him to leave. Um, and then new, uh, he just got released by the Tennessee Titans to Marco Murray. Yeah, about the half hour ago. Yeah. Um. I think he's going to go to Miami and be a Dolphin. Um, there's been no rumors, and this is just me speculating because he just got released. But I think the Dolphins need running back help. Um, they got rid of Ajayi last year, and they could not come up with the same production after he left. Um, and I think DeMarco Murray could be – he's inconsistent, but he can be very good um, if he gets in the right spot. Um, and I think the Dolphins could definitely pick him up. Um, another team, Seattle. I know they're rebuilding, and I don't know if he'd go there. But um, 
They just need running back. They need an offensive line. They need all the help they can get um, with running the ball. And I feel like he could go up there. The Giants, they need a running back to pair with Eli Manning um, and that deadly receiving core they have. Um, and then another interesting um, team brought up to me um, by my friend Brett High. Um, he'll be a friend of the show. Um, the Patriots, um, that that would be interesting, pairing him in the offense with Tom Brady. Um, that'd be cool, but um, I just think he's going to the Dolphins. Okay, that's enough for football talk. Um, we're going to transition a little bit into basketball. Um, obviously, you know, we play football for, you know, combined between football us over 20 years. Sport yeah, football is, we're going to try to talk more about basketball and baseball as we go. But, you know, football is our love. It's what we live and breathe. So, talk a little bit of basketball. You know, obviously we got the Houston Rockets are probably the biggest story right now. They defeated Sherman's Bucks last night. And they've won 17 straight games. So that brings up the question now that they've topped the Warriors and they're now the number one seed in the West. Warriors are number two. It's right there, though. It's back and forth. So that brings up the question, Truman, do you think the Rockets have enough to beat the Warriors in a seven-game series? Uh, yes, the Rockets do have enough to beat the Warriors in a seven-game series. I think adding Chris Paul um, took the Rockets over the top. Um, I think James Harden right now is playing the best basketball in the NBA. Um, I think um, when Chris Paul came back from the injury, he's just went off. Um, he's honestly a dark horse. He won't be, and I don't want people to think he is, but he could be a dark horse for the MVP. And then I think later in the show we'll get into it more. I think James Harden is going to be the MVP. So I think you have two top 10 MVP candidates, and um, you throw in Eric Gordon. Um, they've just played like a team. They've played all around. They have the, I think they can shoot. Um, better than almost anyone, and I think they can beat the Warriors in a seven-game series. I don't think they will, or they, um, but I think they can. Yeah, with the additions of Paul, I mean their defense is insane. You know they've gotten a lot better. You know PJ Tucker's a great defender, and it's, even though he gets a lot of crap for it, James Harden is not a terrible defender. He's pretty good, but I just don't think you know they got Harden, they got Tucker, they got Paul, they got Capella. They got Gordon. They're just the Warriors are too deep. I mean, their bench is insanely deep. You know, you know. I don't think they're. I think it could be a series. I don't think it's gonna happen though. But again, it's the playoffs. If the Rockets, you know, steal a game here or there, an injury, something goes down, I think they can. I just don't think you know. Strength for strength, Warriors are hundred percent. Rockets are hundred percent. I think the Warriors are just too talented. Got too much depth to really make it. You know even like question that they'll beat them. I think it's going to happen. But the Rockets have beaten the Warriors two out of three times that they played this season. Um yeah, each but game has been close. Um but it shows that they can definitely beat the Warriors. Yeah, they can they can play with the Warriors. I just don't think, you know, playoff basketball is different basketball than regular season and I think it's just the Warriors are way too deep. They they're way more experienced and Harden has a Harden has a reputation for kind of choking in the playoffs. Paul's never really been there before. I just think, you know, the Warriors are way too deep. I think it's just... I don't know. I think the Rockets, they have the best backcourt in the NBA. Um, I think what the Warriors have and the advantage, I think they have Kevin Durant is the advantage because I think he is number two. And then you mentioned, you know, how Harden and uh, Paul are two top ten MVP candidates. Well, then you got Kevin Durant and Steph Curry are two top five NBA candidates. MVP not, candidates. Steph Curry is not an MVP candidate. He, yeah, he is. He is faltering off. No, um, he's been injured. He's fine. No, he's not an MVP candidate, though. 
Um, so I think you have two top ten in Houston, and then but I think Kevin Durant is the big um, the yeah, big difference yeah. maker for the Warriors because he's right next to LeBron in my opinion. Um, but I do think they have enough to beat the Warriors. But I don't think they I don't think they will right now. But I do think they have enough. All right, well, let's move on. You know, obviously March it's coming up Sunday Selection Sunday. We talk a little March Madness. You know, obviously for sports fans, March Madness is the greatest thing ever you know you can you'll be watching you know march madness at noon and everybody's gonna be filling out a bracket you know everyone's gonna be watching basketball at school or at work at noon and it's just we're just gonna get a little bit into it and we're talking about michael porter jr he's coming back to missouri he played today they lost in the sec tournament and he only had 12 points you know five for 17 didn't play very well but we just want to talk a little bit about his impact on missouri and Missouri's been pretty good this season. They've been kind of a surprise. I think they're going to make the tournament. And though they lost the SEC tournament, you know, a couple, about a half hour ago, I think they're quite a great team that's just going to be adding even more talent. You know, Porter's a top five draft pick. He's only played about five minutes this season. And I think when he once he shakes that rust off, he gets the explosion back in his legs. He's just going to make a good team even better. Um. Obviously, he's a great player, like you said, but I think that injury was kind of severe, um, and I don't think he can just shake it off within two weeks or whatever when it starts, but I think he it's obviously going to help Missouri. I think they're adding a star on their team, but I don't think Missouri's really a threat to anybody in the yeah, NCAA tournament. Yeah, I don't think they're tournament. a threat. I just think it's they could make a run. They're Cinderella team, quiet sleeper, great upset pick. Yes, um, I think that they definitely... Great upset pick, but I don't think they're going any farther. Mm-hmm. Um, but Michael Porter coming back, uh, adding a star to your team, obviously helps. Now we both we wanted to talk about you know our early picks to win the tournament. Um, we both agreed. We were talking about it beforehand. We both agreed on the same team. We this wasn't planned at all, but we both like love Virginia to win this tournament. Um, I think Virginia is talented all around. They're experienced, um, and. They can defend anyone in the country. The defense is, uh, people were saying it's one of the best defenses in college basketball all year. It's crazy how well they've been playing. You know, Tony Bennett, who's the coach there, has really coached his team well. Isaiah Wilkins is playing out of his mind. And I just think that defense is just going to stop a lot of the more offensive-oriented teams. And I just think they can easily, defense, you know, wins you championships. And they have the offensive firepower, too. Yeah. Um, I think that's what they've been lacking in the past couple of years. I mean, they, they played top 25 Clemson, and I was reading they held them to 13 second-half points. Which is crazy. But I think in, in years past, they've always had a great defense, but in years past, they lacked offensive firepower. Mm, this year, they've really got... They this year they have it. Um, I mean it's not it's not nearly the best in the country, but their defense is what carries them. But this year I think they have enough offensively and the great defense. I think right now we don't know the seating, we don't know who they're gonna play, but I think right now that's who I would take. But mm-hmm. we'll see down the line when the brackets come out. Yeah, and then we'll, we'll just transition to the seating. You know, Sunday is gonna be the selection show. TBS grabbed it this year, and they've changed the format a little bit. Now, I know me and Truman were talking about this. We really don't like the way they're doing it now. Because instead of just going bracket by bracket, game by game, game by game, announcing teams, they're just going to announce all 68 teams and then go through the bracket, which I, I really don't like. If it's not broke, don't fix it. And I think the uh, selection Sunday is something that all sports fans look forward to. Personally, I look forward to it. I think it's so cool. I look forward to it more when the Badgers were relevant, 
but I think it's really awesome, um, and I don't understand why they tried, they're trying to change it. I don't think it's going to make it, I mean, it doesn't make me want to watch it any less. I'm going to want to watch mm-hmm. it, but I just think it's kind of stupid. It's just, it wastes time, I think. it's just, uh, Yeah, I, I would just rather have it the same old, same old. Yeah. So we're going to transition more now to some baseball talk. Um, March Madness is going to be a huge deal coming up, so we're going we're gonna to re- release an episode Tuesday to maybe talking a little bit more about it. I want to get into some spring training headlines. Uh, there was an article released, uh, I don't really, I think it was yesterday or the day before, about Ichiro. Uh, obviously, he's one of the best baseball players of all time. And I'll, we'll retweet it on our Twitter, at TNT Sports Talk 12. It was talking about, you know, his little habits that he has. And I just thought, it's so fascinating. Give yourself, you know, 10 minutes and read it. It was talking about his habits about baseball. You know, he spends, they said, close to two hours every night just swinging a bat in the mirror he lives and breathes baseball. It's just talking about how, you know, he wasn't really signed. He, he said baseball or death. Yeah, he, he really wasn't, um, you know, a big-name free agent, even though there's still a lot out there. But thankfully, he was signed by the Mariners. And they were talking about how, like, he was, like, depressed that he may not be on a baseball team this year. And he didn't know what he was going to do without baseball. Was he playing the Mariners? Yeah, they just signed him to a one-year deal, I think. And obviously he's getting older. He's got he's coming to grips more about it, more you know about retirement. But it was talking some of the stuff they talked about about how he like treats his locker. You know he has to set his locker up the exact way every single time. He has to take a lint roller to the locker floor just so it's completely clean. He he notices when you bump into his bat. He it's just crazy. And then they're also talking about how his father trained him, and his father was really really hard on him. And his father's still alive, and he runs a museum actually in Japan about. You know, his growing up and how he trained him. And he doesn't talk to his father anymore. And his father, you know, cries almost every day just because, you know, he feels so bad about how he treated him. But it really made him into, you know, the kind of player he's in today, that he's today, and one of the best all time. And I just thought it was interesting. We're going to retweet it probably if I can find it on Twitter. But give yourself, a you know, 10 minutes and read it. It's really interesting. Now we're going to move on to uh, Tim Lincecum. Um, he got signed by the Texas Rangers this offseason. I don't know how he's been out of baseball for a little bit, a couple years at least. Um, he used to be. Yeah, a, he was with the Angels last, but he didn't look good. He didn't look good. Um, he's just been out of the regular season for a while now. Um, he was a, when the Giants were winning um, a few World Series. Uh, Tim Lincecum was one of the best pitchers in the game. Two times Cy Young. Two times, two times Cy Young. Um, very impressive. Now he's making a comeback. Got signed by the Texas Rangers this off season. Um, they they're putting him in the bullpen, possibly their closer. I don't know if I, I think it's cool. Uh, any comeback story is cool, but I think it's going to be hard for him to come back and be a closer in the major league um, when he's just getting older and older. And he's got uh, a lot of hip problems too. Look, uh, probably a lot of problems um, as he gets older. Um, and he just when he's with the Giants. Um, he was a he's a pothead, honestly. But um I just I don't know. It's gonna be hard for him to come back and to be the closer of a major league team is so much pressure and he hasn't played for a while. Um I don't know if he can take all that pressure. So yeah, now he's in the bullpen, so we want to transition. Uh baseball brought back uh bullpen carts, which are basically little you know, basically golf carts that will drive the pitcher to the mound. And it's supposed to save time, but I mean I think it just takes away I mean you know, I always think, you know, Mariano Rivera walking into Yankee Stadium with Enter Sandman blasting behind him and just the jog up to the mound. It, it's different. It's insane. It's crazy. 
it really gets you pumped up and it's only going to save about a couple seconds so i don't really like it but i guess it's cool for the regular season but i think it's awesome um i think i think uh it saves i think it saves time honestly um and i think it honestly adds another phase to the game that like a younger generation is going to want to watch because the carts are cool they designed them to be the team's like hat or like helmet um and i think that's just another thing like younger generation and kids are just going to think it's really cool when they see that cart come across i guess the field. it's more you know baseball purist type of thing it's like you know you really just like watching the player run out from the bullpen and it's only going to save about eight seconds i think there's way better ways to really speed up the game but i just i like it it's cool it's a fun idea i guess but i don't think i think it's really going to take away you know those playoff moments that we all have in our mind and it's, it's cool but i don't i wouldn't really have done it I don't know. I didn't think it needed to be changed, but I think it's not going to make really an impact, and I think there's going to be, in the playoffs and stuff like that, there's going to be more memories of people driving out in the cart. Um, in a little fake little golf cart. Yeah, I think it, I, I don't know. I think it'll be cool, but I don't really think it's going to impact anything. Okay, we can get some question and answer. These are questions submitted by our viewers. If you'd like to submit a question for the next show, go ahead and DM us. Um, Twitter's in the on the episode info in the iTunes podcast, but our Twitter again is at TNT Sports Talks 12. A couple of questions submitted to us were, Truman, you can answer this better than I can. What do you think the Brewers record's going to be this year? Um, the Brewers record. So this is kind of exciting. Um, I think this is really going to be an awesome season for the Brewers. Um, They've added is, some talent. This is the first year um, out of, eh, probably since like two, three years ago, where I can actually say the Brewers are competing um, against the major league's best. Um, I think with the addition of Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Cain, I think they have a top five outfield in the game. Um, I think, honestly, they have one of the best lineups in the game. And I, that may be bold, that may be biased, but I do think they have the, one of the best lineups in the game. The, a little biased when you consider you know, the Yankees and Astros. But but the Brewers can match up. Um, I think they, have top, they definitely are top ten in the league. Um, with their lineup, I think Ryan Braun isn't going to falter. Christian Yelich is a top hitter. Lorenzo Cain's a top hitter. Um, Orlando Arcia's young talent. Travis Shaw had a breakout season last year. Um, what scares me um, about the Brewers is their starting rotation. Um, I would like to see them add another player like Jake Arrieta, but I don't think they're gonna. Um, I think they have consistent starters, but starters that aren't gonna aren't don't have the greatest name. Um, and then their bullpen scares me a little bit. Um, Overall, I think the Brewers are going to be a wild card team. I think they're going to be 86 and 76. Um, I think they can make some noise in the playoffs and in the wild card. Um, but I think this is this is finally the year the Brewers take the next step forward. So another question we have is, uh, what are my thoughts on Jason Kipnis and how he fits back into the Indians? Obviously, last year he was hurt. Um, he did come back. You know, he switched the outfield for a little bit, gave some much needed outfield help, but. If this is this the answer to this was way different, you know, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago I would have said we should have traded him along with Danny Salazar, maybe to somebody get some young prospects or some bullpen help. But he has just been killing it in Cactus League. He's hit, you know, I think it was six home runs. I'm probably wrong on that. He's probably hit another one by the time I said this. He's bro he's tied the Indians record for most home runs in spring training. It's not even halfway over yet. I think you slide him back into that second base spot. I think you give, you know, put Ramirez back at third base. He's one of the best third basemen in the game. And I think, you know, we had Urshela at third base last year. 
I think you move him to the utility role or maybe even send him back down. I think his his defense is great, but he's just not the best hitter right now. I think you move, move, move him back down. But I think Kipnis slides back into that second base role. Give him his spot. Give him his at-bats and just see what he can do. I think he's going to be fine. I think if he, if he can return, if he and Michael Brantley can return to their all-star caliber, which we know they can, the Indians are going to be right back up there with one of the best lineups in the game. So uh, Next up, we are going to do, um, we're going to say, like, what do you think the Browns are going to do in the draft? Um, I think they, what are they going to do and what I think they should do are probably different. Because that's yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, I think they're going to do this and I think they should do this. Um, I think they got to take Saquon Barkley at one. Um, I think they got to take Saquon Barkley at one and I think they take a quarterback at four. I think it should be Baker Mayfield, um, but it could be any one of those guys we've talked about. Um, but I think they're going to do that, and I think they should do that this year. I think they're going to yeah, get that's it right. Funny, cause we didn't even talk about this. This exact same, same thing I have. I think Barkley is establishing himself as the number one pick. John Dorsey wants to be a fan favorite in uh, Cleveland. I think that's, that move makes him a fan favorite, and I think Baker Mayfield makes him a fan favorite too. Is it the best move? Would I do it? Probably not. I would maybe take a couple different players. We can get into that another time, but I think that's what they're going to do. Um, and right now, that's what they will probably do because they need a quarterback. I don't think you start him right away. I think you bring a veteran in like McCarron or maybe even Teddy Bridgewater. I don't know, but Keenum, that's what, maybe. Yeah, Keenum, that's what they're probably going to do. So another question we have, which was a probably debated topic among our friend group was, is Big Ben, Ben Roethlisberger, a top 10 quarterback in the NFL today? This is another one that's weird. A lot of factors go into this. Um, I think I think when you're saying, do I start a franchise? Is he top 10 quarterback I would start a franchise with? It's no, because he's getting older. He's only, I think, got two to three more seasons left, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to next season, if you give me one quarterback to take, I would say Big Ben's probably falls in that 7, 8, 9, 10 slot. Um Quarterbacks I would definitely take over him would be, um, obviously Aaron Rodgers, the best quarterback of all time. You have, and then you have Tom Brady, obviously you got to. Uh, Carson Wentz, I probably would take over him next season, even with the ACL. Um, Drew Brees, I would take over him. Matt Ryan, I would take over him. Um, and then uh, I'd say Russell Wilson and... Um, would you put... And Cam Newton, probably. Yeah, Cam just... And then Big Ben would fall right behind those guys. And then you have guys... You could debate. You could say Luck. You could say Goff. Um, and you could say Cousins, probably. But I would say Big Ben for next season, one quarterback, one season, I would say falls in that ten, nine or ten slot. Yeah, that's probably the same thing. I would say, I just, I, he's a great, he's a great quarterback. He's one of the most accomplished quarterbacks right now. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. But I would not start a franchise with him. Right. You I would can't, say, you can't say you would start a franchise with him. He's just too old. Yeah. Um. I would but, take, but right now, I mean, I would take all those guys like Truman said. But I'd also put, you know, I'd put Dak Prescott ahead of him. I think Dak Prescott's wow. good. Even after he... Yeah, I think Dak Prescott's going to be a really good quarterback for a Even after time. last season? Yeah. That's boring. I would take him over Big Ben. Wow. Uh, Big Ben's got a lot of weapons. I mean, most most quarterbacks could do very well with Antonio Brown, the best receiver, and Le'Veon Bell, one of the best running backs. But, obviously, right now, yeah, I think he's a top-ten quarterback in the NFL right now. But would I start a franchise with them? Probably not. Um, and then the last question we had sent to us is who's going to win the NBA MVP? 
Um, this is obviously a debated conversation around this time of year every year. I think we both have the same. We both have the same. Um, I think James Harden yeah, James is going to be the MVP. Um, I think a lot of Cavs fans, we'll probably have a lot of Cavs fans who listen to this. Um, LeBron, he's the best player in the league, but I honestly think he's the boring pick for MVP because he's so good and he could win it honestly every year. Um, I hate saying that because I do not like LeBron, but I think James Harden is going to win MVP. Um, I think guys like um, Anthony Davis, who has just been amazing. Yeah, Anthony Davis, I think it's... I think it may be too late, but if he keeps doing what he's doing, he got to put him in that conversation. You have to. Um, and he sprained his ankle last night. He seems like he's fine, though, but he's led his team to 10 straight wins. Pelicans, by himself. Yeah, I mean, they lost to Marcus Cousins. Everybody thought they were done, and he's just really bounced back, and he's just taken over that role. But James Harden deserves it, I think. You know, I think he's just been in that conversation for the last couple of years. You know, I mean, look, he, 2015, he led a team, he led a roster that, if you look at it now, half of the players in 2015 still aren't even in the NBA. And he took that team to the number two seed. And he's just, you know, he's gotten better with uh, Chris Paul. He's, you know, averaging 31 points a game. He's top three in the league in assists. They've won 17 straight. You know, his his turnover rate has decreased. He's gotten better at defense. I just think he deserves it. LeBron, obviously, everybody knows he's probably the best player right now in the NBA. We don't, me and Truman don't love, like him that much. Um, but... He deserves the credit, too. But I think, you know, it goes Harden, LeBron, and I think Anthony Davis has established himself as a solid candidate, and he's just going to keep going up as well. Giannis will be there next year, though. Yeah, but he has to shoot better. So that's the end of our show. Uh, Thank you for listening. If you listened the whole time, we ask that you please go onto our iTunes account, you know, and review it, rate it, give us five stars, and subscribe. It really helps us out. Follow us on Twitter at TNT Sports Talk, where you can DM us questions for the next show, any comments, concerns, or you know segment ideas, talking points. We're really we're new at this. We haven't we've never done this before, and we just want you know feedback on it would really help us out, even if it's bad or good. You know we're looking for ads. People want to bring us ads. You can email us. Our emails on our Twitter. It's on our uh, podcast info. Uh, we're looking for ads. We're we're trying to grow this, and so just tune in each week. We're gonna try to get an episode out every single Tuesday, every single Thursday. On tw- it's gonna be on Twitter. It's gonna be on iTunes. And we want to thank Anchor podcasting app. Really helped us, you know, get going. Well, that's what we're using right now. But we're trying to get you know on different platforms such as you know, Spotify, Google Play. But we're just gonna grow this every single week. It's we're gonna get better each week. We're gonna get more experienced. And uh, we just thank you for listening and uh, hope you have a great night. Thank you. Go Packers.